Welcome to the Mindful Mediums podcast, a place where we're going to be discussing all things paranormal, spirit world, mediumship, intuitive development from a very grounded lens. I'm your host, Samantha, and I am an evidential spirit medium and intuitive development mentor. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then stick around because these episodes are meant to demystify the mystical. So thanks for hanging out with me and I hope you enjoy the ride. I'm going to be tackling today one of the most commonly and frequently asked questions that I've gotten since I started doing mediumship back in 2017, 2018. And that is, can anyone be a medium? There is a lot of misconceptions out there about this type of work, and I really want to dispel some of that. So let's dive into it. So one of the biggest things that I often have to remind people is that, yes, we all are born with a connection to the spirit world because we are all innately spirit housed in a body. So of course we would have that ability to connect to some degree. Now, does it take some strengthening, some honing, some discerning, some practice to kind of learn how to receive and perceive information from the spirit world absolutely and that is where the journey of mediumship development comes in and i think that there's a lot of misconceptions a lot of people will call this a gift and but what i think what they're referring to is that this just like anything will come a little bit more naturally and easily to some than it does others and that's true for anything in life So that's something to always consider when it comes to this type of work or wanting to step into this type of work. Just like anything, you're going to get what you give and you are going to have to put in some work in order to understand this aspect of yourself and allow yourself to express it if you choose to do so. Now, I also want to always encourage people when it comes to the realm of psychism or mediumship development to know that you don't have to step into mediumship development work, psychic development, intuitive development with an end goal of coming out of it to be able to do readings for other people. Now, granted, if that is the route you take to do your development, you will do that, but most likely in closed spaces, like in practice circles and things like that, because the truth is that this type of work, mediumistic development, psychic development, The reason why it's such a incredible tool once you start to learn how to work with this facet of yourself is that it can have multiple benefits in many different facets of your life, not just being able to connect more deeply on different levels with different people and that you meet from all different walks of life and provide insight and things of that nature, but also because it gives you a litmus test to really learn and build trust with your intuition, with something greater than yourself. And remember, anytime you want to build a relationship or build trust, it doesn't happen overnight. So these are going to be some of my caveats of things that I wish someone had told me when I first started my development journey. And I'm going to share them with you and things to definitely take into consideration if this is something you want to do or explore more deeply within yourself. Because yes, everyone is innately born with the ability to connect to what degree it's going to vary just like anything. So let's dive into it. 
Now, one of the biggest questions that I often get asked is, how did I step into this work? And it was kind of happenstance, to be honest. Um, And a lot of people will say to me, well, Sam, I don't remember having experiences as a kid, so therefore I must not be connected, yada, yada, yada. And the truth is that my experiences with spirit as a child were very few and far between, and it's not until I became an adult and I look back and I realize that a lot of the experiences I did have as a child were actually spirit encounters. I just didn't understand them to be such. So... And they weren't always scary either. So I think there was just a negative connotation to a lot of them because of my upbringing in a very religious household. Yes, that's right. I was raised Catholic, went to catechism, all the things. Um, So the minute I started talking about supernatural or paranormal stuff, you better believe it was not something that was sort of just welcomed, you know, as a topic of conversation at the dinner table. So, and that to me as a young kid just felt like okay that's just not something I'm gonna talk about and that's that and life went on so a lot of people ask me though as an adult how did I reawaken this or how did I get this to kind of come to the surface again and the truth is that I wasn't looking for it to come to the surface again which I think is one of the reasons why it did and a lot of people laugh when I say this but it really does kind of demonstrate the importance of being willing to let go of any kind of expectation around your development and letting things truly unfold in the time that they're meant to without pushing or forcing or trying and just seeing what happens um So in a nutshell, my story, and I'm told it on other episodes of the podcast. So if you've heard it before, feel free to scroll through. But if you're interested, um, (laughs) you know, I, at the time, you know, in the early 2013, 14, I had started working as a nurse in a very high stress environment. Um, and I did not know this. I know this now. I recently learned this over the last year, but I was an undiagnosed ADHD and on the autism spectrum, which I did not know. Um, and I was working in a really insanely high stress environment for a really long time, which led me to sensory overload, um, system overload. And I needed to find some kind of coping mechanisms to help me deal with that kind of a job. And with all my sensory stuff that I was dealing with that I didn't know was sensory stuff. So, but that is a topic for another day. Um, So what did I do? Um, I somehow got linked up with a friend of mine from a long time ago who was a meditation teacher, traditional meditation teacher out of a Buddhist center in LA. He invited me to do a 30 day meditation challenge um, in the Mahayana style. Um, uh, It was out of the inner way in LA and it was where my life changed, to be honest. Um, it was a very interesting experience. I joined a 30 day meditation challenge and I committed and I did it. And I was really proud of myself. And from that point on, I started to build a very steady, disciplined practice under his guidance and, um, with the support of a meditation group and the rest was history. <laughs> um, I had a day, ended up with a daily practice, started off with, you know, just doing basic mindfulness breath meditation for, you know, I started off with like the typical two to three minutes and then gradually built my way up, um, over time. 
and really committed myself to that practice because I noticed within a matter of just a week, I started noticing shifts and changes in my nervous system, my body, how I was responding to situations at work. My awareness was much more poignant and sharp. It was just a lot of really incredible benefits I was noticing and I was learning a lot um, about, you know, about the practice, about the history and traditions um, in the Mahayana tradition. So that was a really cool experience for me. And I stayed studying in that space with those people. They became what we call Sangha or, you know, essentially the community family, um, second family, (laughs) I like to think of them. And yeah, so I did that for about two years, maybe a year and a half into having a solid practice. And around that time was when I started having experiences that I could not explain. Um, Particularly started with dreams. I started being visited by uh, people that I knew, their loved ones who I'd never met were coming to me and having visitation dreams, bringing forward evidence and validation that I would find out was correct. Um, so that was a little bit freaky to me. <laughs> uh, and I also then started also having premonitory visions, thoughts, etc. And it was just happening at random. And it was actually kind of, it was actually kind of freaking me out a little bit. And so that was when I sought out the friend of mine that I'd known for a long time, who I knew did energy work and was also a clairvoyant. And she kind of explained to me, a little bit of the mechanics and um, somehow or another pointed me in the direction of my very first mentor who I basically learned all the foundations of mechanics of mediumship what was happening what was going on how to deal with it how to control it how to really kind of hone it and, and figure it out and understand it in a way that would be useful for myself and the rest was history So, (laughs) and now here I am um, chatting with you on this podcast and teaching this work to other people, helping them develop and doing private work for people. So that's my story in a nutshell. But a lot of people, um, oftentimes when I tell them, you know, I didn't start seriously stepping into my development until, um, God, I think it's, I think it was probably late 2017, 2000, early 2018 was when I really committed to the development journey of learning how to understand this facet of myself. It really amplified very quickly for me. And I think that one of the reasons was, is that I had a solid mindfulness and meditation practice before I even considered my intuition or mediumship. In fact, like I said, the mediumship and the psychism, all of that started to really bubble up to the surface on its own as a side effect of my practice that I already had in place. So I always want people, number one, first and foremost, if I could go back and, and tell myself anything, it would be number one, don't compare your journey to anyone else's because it's going to look inherently different because we are all different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all develop at different paces and you have to understand that your development is going to unfold in the way that it's meant to. The next thing that I would tell myself is don't cling too hard to results because the truth is that this is a form of experimentation and 
as you go along, you're going to try new things. You're going to learn new things about yourself. You're going to learn new things about the way you connect. You're going to learn new things about the way things come in. So don't box yourself in into any one way of doing things when it comes to your development. Absolutely be very open to hear what a lot of people have to say. But that does bring me to another caveat. Don't take a bunch of classes from a bunch of different teachers at once. It will most likely just confuse you, which leads me to like a lot of people say, where do I start? What I really encourage people to do is get to know yourself really well. Develop a practice and a routine for yourself daily, whether that's sitting with yourself for five minutes or so each day, doing some journaling, reflecting, etc. That's probably the best place to start is with you and because You've probably heard us say it a million times that the journey of mediumship development is one of personal development and it's ever unfolding and ever ongoing. So the relationship that you're really building, not just with the spirit world, but also with yourself, because your experiences are going to be received and perceived through you. So the better you know yourself, the better off you're going to be when you sit down to actually step into the work and actually do the work. The next thing I would say is that note this is a very sacred practice. Mediumship in the way in which we see it today as far as evidential mediumship, right? It has its roots in the spiritualist religion as well as the spiritist religion. Um, Alan Kardec was really the founder of the spirit of spiritism. So it does have its roots there, but people have been talking to the dead for eons. It's nothing new. It's happened in all cultures, cross cultures, everywhere. Um, everyone just has different ways of doing it. Now, can you practice evidential mediumship and not be a spiritualist? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would be my next thing would be to evaluate the dogma and evaluate your prior belief systems about what you think about the spirit world, what you've been told about the spirit world, what you've been told about the afterlife, all of those things. Because the whole point of development is to get you to a place where you can be a very neutral channel and you can hold a container for anyone on any level of the spectrum when it comes to communication with the spirit world, when sitting with someone else and blending with someone else psychically. You want to be as neutral, unbiased, um, in myself, I call it clean mediumship. This brings me to when you're looking for mentors. Find a teacher who takes a very secular, grounded approach um, and has a wide array of knowledge when it comes to cultural sensitivities, different religions of the world, different belief systems, and can kind of speak to those things too because that does come up. This brings me to watching other mediums. Now, this is the hard part because I said earlier, don't compare right? If I could tell myself anything, don't compare. Well, you can't really not compare yourself to someone else. Um, what I do encourage my students to do and what I did in the beginning of my development, watch a bunch of different mediums work. Look at different things. Look at the way they're working. See if you can watch and see if you can understand the mechanics of what's going on and how they're perceiving their information. The next step that brings me to is finding a place to explore, a place to practice. Whether that be, you know, sitting down and trying new things, going to seminars, taking classes with different teachers about mediumship or mechanics of mediumship, you've got to do what works for you. So usually what I recommend if you're going to be out there and you're looking for someone to teach you, start by just watching mediums. If you find there's mediums 
who you feel resonance with, you like the way they read, see if they have a book, see if they offer a class, see if they offer workshops, see if they offer mentorship, you know, take something small with low commitment in the beginning to make sure that, you know, you like the way they teach. And, um, but also remember that just because someone is an excellent medium, an excellent demonstrating medium or an excellent one-on-one, you know, sitting medium doesn't always mean they're going to be a good teacher. <laughs> and the truth is with mediumship, it really can't be taught. That's one of the things that I think people get confused is that this can't be taught. You can't really teach connection. We can give you tools and resources and things to try, but ultimately making the connection is really on you. When it comes to your development, you're going to get what you give. Once you've found a teacher, if you if you notice they host a circle, here's some things you want to look for when it comes to choosing a development circle. And I wish that I had told myself this in the beginning. You've got to be willing and feel comfortable enough to fall flat on your face and get it wrong <laughs> because you're going to get it wrong a lot in the beginning especially because you're learning how to basically walk a tightrope you are learning how to move into such a passive state but also still be a bit active to be able to perceive and deliver and understand information from an outside stimulus or source that is unseen and that takes time and the only way to cultivate that is to feel safe in the environment where you are putting yourself out there to try something new the development circle space is not a place to perform so i always say go to a development circle feel it out if it doesn't if it feels like you're just feeling like you you don't feel safe i mean in the beginning you're gonna feel a little bit nervous but over time you should start to develop a bit of a comfort level with the people in the circle right everyone's a little nervous the first circle it's always like that your first circle is always a little bit nerve-wracking but once you let go of that desire and that need to perfect and that need to be right all the time which it is kind of a catch-22 because we're like you know we talk about well you know you have to let go of the ego you have to let go of like wanting to get it right but the whole point of evidential mediumship is to understand and get it right so you can improve the continuity of life so it is this like very catch-22 thing so believe me i know how contradictory that sounds but that's even more reason for you to have a safe space to just really try something new so where can you find some development circles spiritualist churches for me was a really helpful place i didn't like the church i'm not gonna lie the spiritualist church the whole church aspect of it the dogma all of that was hard for me but the circle they hosted was excellent and i learned a lot i met great people in the community um i would still probably be going there if it wasn't for covid but um unfortunately right when i really got into the thick of that circle i had been going there for a little over a year covid happened and i was very upset but nowadays you can find development circles online so it really depends on what you want right look for something if you're brand new that is geared toward all levels um, of development and there's two different types of circles there's closed circles and open circles um, the closed circle is usually one that starts off open um, and eventually after a couple of sessions eventually winds down to the people who are going to commit to the circle or to the group consistently for a period of time and they meet at the same time every week sit together in the same space and 
every week they work together. Now, the benefits of a closed circle is number one, you get to know the members pretty well, which is really nice because then you develop a relationship in a safe space of trust to really just try something new. And because you're working with the same people over and over again, you're forced to try new things, to connect with communicators in new ways, to be able to perceive new things and work with, work with new experiences each and every time, even though you may be working with the same communicators, which I think can be really, really beneficial for your development. Um, closed circles generally are anywhere in size from, you know, four people all the way up to, I've seen them as large as 12, um, but usually they cap out somewhere around that number. And they're just a great option. And the next type of circle would be an open circle, meaning that every week you're going to have an influx of new people that are coming and going. You might have some people who stay, but then you have other people who kind of float in and out of the circle space. There's no commitment. It's basically you get a lot of people who are just kind of testing the waters out. Um, and those circles do tend to be a little bit bigger. Now, the other key component with all development circles is that usually there's going to be a focus. There's going to be some aspect of the mediumship, the mechanics of the mediumship, something you want to work on that you're going to focus on. So you're not going into the circle space to really give a full reading. It's usually just to try and develop certain aspects of your mediumship and your psychic sort of connection and get to understand it better on a deeper level in those circle spaces. It's a lot like going to the gym, right? So if you go to the gym and you want to strengthen your biceps, you're going to work on the machines that work on your biceps. You're not going to go and run a 50 meter sprint on the treadmill. <laughs> so that's really think of the development circle as like the gym if you will for your for your mediumship and your psychism it's a great place to test out new things that also brings me to this place of you know as you get further and further along in your development you might find that you outgrow certain teachers outgrow certain circles outgrow certain peers colleagues etc that is very very normal and this is one piece of advice if I could go back in time and tell myself would be this don't worry about what other people are doing worry about what you're doing worry about how you're showing up in your work how are you showing up for yourself your mediumship the spirit world because this is one of those things where you're going to get what you give and it's really important to remember that that what someone else does is really none of your business. <laughs> I know that may sound harsh, but it's the truth. Um, you have to come to a point in your development where you realize that there are always going to be people who are going to have different ideas, opinions about how they think things should look or how they think this work should go. We're human. That's just what happens. But it is really important that you really just focus on what works for you and what you're doing, right? And taking what other teachers, mentors, peers have to say, not so much as criticism, but as maybe suggestions or, you know, I always say it's good to keep an open mind, especially if you meet someone who makes you question the way you do things or wants gets you to want to try to do something new. And if you find it doesn't work for you, then that's fine too. So, I think that there's really something to be said for allowing there to be fluidity in your development. Recognize your mediumship will change over time and recognize the way you read will probably change over time. And that's really the long and the short of it. The other thing that I want to just 
say too if I could go back in time and tell myself this it would be I didn't have to shout it from the rooftops that this was something I was doing I was very nervous for a long time and very hesitant about telling people about this work and I felt like I had some duty or obligation to scream it from the mountaintops in order to be considered a proud medium or to be considered valid and that's not it at all (laughs) um you know I think that you have to really ask yourself the why of why you're doing something. And when I really got down to the reason of it, yes, I want to help people. We all want to help people. But I also recognize that the main reason I came into this was because I was kind of forced into it. I needed to figure out what was going on in order for me to be able to live my life efficiently because the way things were going, it wasn't I wasn't able to with these experiences happening the way they were. It wasn't good for me. And it also made me realize that the struggles that I have in my everyday life, in my human life, are the same struggles that are going to show up in my mediumship development. That's one of the reasons why I like this path because it helps me constantly be in reflection about myself and asking myself and seeing different sides of myself, different aspects of myself where there may be room for improvement or things I want to explore more deeply. And I think that that's a really beautiful path to be on and that will serve anyone because the real benefit is in how I show up each and every day for my friends, my family, those who I'm interacting with in the world each and every day. So, and I want to just say too, like, let go of any kind of end goal about where you think you should be at the end of this because there is no finish line. This should be seen, I think, as a practice that you're going to carry with you throughout the rest of your life once you work with it because it's a part of you inherently, innately. It's it's ingrained into you. So it's a matter of exploring it when you feel the drive and the desire to. And it will always be there for you as long as you want it to be there, as long as you want to explore it, it will be there. And it's just a part of who you are. So we're all given the opportunity to explore it to whatever degree we feel so inclined. So if I could give myself and go back in time one real just nugget of wisdom, it would be this. Protect this work like you would a newborn baby. And I say this because my mentor that I'm working with now said this to me and it's stuck. And when you really think about it, it makes so much sense because your mediumship, your connection, like I said before, you're building a relationship, you're building trust. That takes time. It takes patience. It takes a nurturing quality. It takes, it takes time. And you can't rush, you can't rush the growth of a newborn, right? You can nurture it, you can protect them, um, recognize they're fragile. So take that approach when it comes to anything you do with your psychic and mediumship work. If that means keeping it to yourself and not sharing it with anyone because that's what feels safe for you, then do that by all means. If that means this is something you do every week and you just do it in circle because it it really helps to bring you validation and comfort of your own beliefs and reinforce the belief systems you have and connect you to something bigger while also in turn um, being of service in a beautiful way to those that you sit within your circle, 
each and every week and you go in there to have that quasi mystical experience with them then by all means that's all it needs to be it doesn't need to be anything more than that it is what you make it and I think that that's the most important piece for myself that I took away and that's what I tell a lot of my mentorship students that the real work is in how you show up each and every day in your life with those around you who are right in front of you who aren't in the circle space who aren't doing mediumship Um, (laughs) the readings are just one very small part of it they just become a litmus test to help you learn how to trust the intuitive knowing that's already within you to an even greater extent and get you to know yourself in a very very deep way through this type of work so so that was probably the most long-winded answer I've ever given to that question so can anyone become a medium yes now this also brings me to the fact that one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time is you know can I connect with my own loved ones the same way that like as a medium I would connect to someone else's and the truth is it's very very different mediumship stepping into the development world it really makes you more aware of the different ways in which your loved ones can communicate with you how they may be communicating with you and working with you but it is different so I always tell people if you are thinking about stepping into the development space If you've had any kind of significant big loss recently, it's usually a good idea to wait until you've had some time to move through that before stepping into mediumship right away because it's not going to be the same um, as it is when you connect for other people's loved ones. And that's just the truth. Also, remember that the development space is a space where other mediums are coming to try things too. So, there's a lot of room for things to be, you know, we're still working out the kinks. So that's something to really consider as well. So I usually do recommend that people wait until they're out of those very extensive phases of grief before stepping in and exploring themselves in the mediumistic level. Um, But also working to build and confirm that connection that's still there with your loved ones over time. But that can take some time after a big loss. So that's something to really consider as well. So with that being said, I think that pretty much covers (laughs) what I wanted to talk about in this episode. For anyone wondering, and I know I talked about this before, I am going to be hosting a six-week course called Sitting for Spiritual Awareness that is meant to be an adjunct sort of course that really demystifies the concept of meditation, mindfulness, and its role in intuitive development. Um... Because I have found that with people, and I've worked with them over the years, is that a lot of people have a hard time developing that solid practice with self. So I'm going to be hosting a six-week course geared towards doing just that to help you establish some kind of practice in mindfulness and meditation, as well as help to develop a solid, sturdy foundation to let someone build on the mechanics of mediumship uh, to kind of go forward. So I've taught this course to mediums at all levels. I've gotten really great feedback about it. So if it's something you're interested, you can find all the details on my website. I'll link it in the show notes as well down below. And also I'm going to be hosting 
some workshops. Each one's going to be focused on a different aspect of the mechanics of mediumship and intuitive development foundations. And the very first one is coming up, which of course is about mindfulness and intuition. That's going to be on September 9th. So if that's something you're interested in and you would like to learn more, you can find all the information in the show notes below. And of course, if you have questions, if there's topics you want me to explore or things or questions you have about the spirit world, mediumship, etc., drop them in the question box on my Instagram or shoot me an email with the headline and topic. Hey, I have an idea or I have a question for your podcast. Would you be willing to answer it? And I'll go through and do some frequently asked questions or Q&A episodes of the podcast. So. I'm really happy to be back in this space. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to share more with you. And yeah, till the next time, stay grounded. All right, friends, I'll talk to you soon.